Well, I want to talk to you about something very, very different tonight, all right? As you can see already on the screen, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of John, John chapter 9. John chapter 9 is where we're going to be for just a little bit tonight. Brother uh, Ethan and I were going over the invitation song before the service, and I told Brother Ethan, I said, honestly, the message tonight is not going to have a huge hook in it. Um, Preaching teaching are different. And uh, preaching is that idea of challenge. It's that idea of uh, trying to to capture people's attention, get them to make a decision. Uh, Teaching is imparting wisdom. And uh, that's what I want to try to do tonight. And, you know, there's been a lot, there's been a lot of things going on and thank, thankfully, not all, not, not all within our church body. God knows how much we can take and how much we can't take at one time. But there's just been a lot going on, you know, with, with Pastor Ryan. And so many of you have been, you've been fully engaged in that whole thing. Some of you know Ryan and Megan well. And, and uh, some of you probably know Ryan and Megan even better than I do. And, uh, and then others of you just, you just, you know what, you just, you've been keeping up with it and, um, and then on top of that, we've got folks in our church that are battling their own, their own things right now. And we have some folks that are battling sicknesses. And some of you are going into the doctor and the doctor's telling you different things. And some of you are just getting over surgeries and things like that. And then on top of all of that, well, we're just, you know, we're just sort of coming out of this brand new thing called coronavirus. And, um, and so... I want to I try to help you a little bit with some things. And back when uh, some of these things started unfolding and, and, uh, and some of our folks started coming to me with some questions uh, about different things that have to do with sickness and, and answers to prayer concerning sickness and all of that, well, right about that same time, the Lord, the Holy Spirit began to give me, he began to give me some messages around that. And, uh, and so I want to share some things that God has given your pastor. I want to try to share that with you tonight. And so this is definitely informative. This is not something you'd preach at a revival necessarily. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a message God's given us for Calvary Baptist Church. And, uh, and so we're going to thank the Lord for this message. And I believe it will help you tonight. I believe that you'll go away, uh, maybe not challenged, but I believe you will go away having a better understanding of what this thing of sickness is all about. Listen, church, truth of the matter is, if you're not careful, when sickness comes, the devil also comes. And, uh, and, and, if, you, and if you're not wise, and, and, and you don't have an understanding of what Scripture teaches, you might go away saying, you know what, God is not fair. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not so sure that I can tell you that God is fair. But he's just. And, uh, and that makes a big difference. Uh, but, but here's the thing. If we understand, if we understand what the Bible says, well, it just helps us to keep a, a sweet relationship with God. I can, I can, you know, can I just echo the words of Abraham? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And he shall. He shall. And, uh, and, and, and so recently in the prayer room, you know, in, the, in our men's prayer room at least, and I'm sure it's like this in the ladies' prayer room, a lot of prayer requests, Family members, we have family members that are sick. Some have just been diagnosed with cancer. Um, some of it looks inoperable, you know, and, uh, you know, good friends. We have good friends. You have good friends. People that, by the way, I'm not talking about folks that are outside of the church. I'm talking about folks that are in the church, folks that are faithful, faithful to Bible-believing churches, and yet some of them have cancer, and it looks like, you know, it looks like maybe they're not going to, Maybe they're not going to pull through this time. And so how's the child of God to feel about those kind of things? What, 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 what does the Bible say anything about that? And the answer is absolutely. I can guarantee you this. If you've got a, if you've got a question, there's an answer right here in this book. And so I want to give you a few of those answers tonight if I could. And so with that in mind, John chapter 9 is where we're going to start tonight. And if you don't mind, if let's, let's stand tonight out of respect for the reading of God's word. If you're able to stand and, um, and let's just read a little bit tonight. John 9 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
And Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Now, we're going to stop there tonight because I have tons and tons of scripture. In fact, I was looking over the outline tonight before I came in here thinking, okay, Lord, which, where are we going to go tonight? Which ones are we going to give them? All right? It's not, you know, boy, I've got to find enough scripture to try to give. No, it's, I'm trying to figure out which scriptures to give you because there's so many. And, uh, and so I would just encourage you later in your devotions, go back and read this whole chapter because it's a great chapter. And Jesus not only heals this man, but later saves this man. Um, and really interesting story. So go back in your devotions and read it. But we're just going to use those four, first four verses as a jumping board to get into our study tonight. And then we're going to give you a lot of other scriptures tonight. So you can have a seat. And let's talk about this subject tonight, understanding sickness in light of the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about this thing of sickness? And, uh, and so uh, rather than me go ahead and jump in here and start preaching, let's pray real quick and then I'll get right into it tonight. Father, thank you for your, your mercy and thank you, Lord, for your grace. And Lord, thank you that you always do right. Father, if I'm healthy today, you're right. But if I'm unhealthy tomorrow, you're right. You're, Lord, you're a just God. And I may not always understand what you do and why you do it. I can't always track you, but I can trust you. And Lord, as we preached on Sunday, it may not always seem that you answer my prayers when I think you ought to answer my prayers. But God, you're a just and a holy and a righteous God. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you would give us some understanding concerning this thing of sickness in light of the Bible. How do we understand sickness? When sickness comes, is it your fault? When sickness comes, is it my fault? Lord, when sickness comes, is it judgment? And so, Lord, tonight I, I pray that, that you'd open our understanding. I do believe with all my heart that, that you gave me this word for your church tonight. So, Lord, we're here, and we want to get something. And so, Holy Spirit, knit our hearts together and our minds. And, and Lord, touch us not only, Lord, spiritually, but God, touch us physically tonight. You know what that's about. Father, we love you. We praise you. And we pray that Jesus will receive glory from all these things. For we ask it in Christ's name, and for his sake we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, let me start out with a little something humorous, because sickness is not humorous, is it? And so let me start out with something a little humorous. So I read about a man who went in for his, his annual checkup, and, uh, and he received, a couple days later, he received a call from his physician, and the doctor said, I hate to tell you this, but he said, I've got some, I've got some bad news. And the man said, well, what's, what, what's the news? And he said, well, the, the news is you only have 48 hours to live. And he said, whew, that's bad news. And then the doctor said, I'm sorry to tell you, but I got worse news. And he said, man, he said, you just told me I got 48 hours to live, and you're trying to tell me you got the worst news? He said, I'm afraid to do. And he said, well, what's the worst news? And he said, I've been trying to get a hold of you for two days. <laughs> now, that's bad. That's bad, all right? I, <laughs> and so I wanted to try to... Loosen you up just a little bit as we talk about the, uh, the subject of sickness tonight. And I'm glad we can be a little humorous about that. And so how should the Bible-believing Christian approach the subject of sickness? Now, let me tell you why I'm starting there tonight. Because there is, there is a lot of confusion today concerning this thing of sickness. And by the way, always has been. If you go back, this is not necessarily newfangled. If you go back and study your Old Testament, you'll find out that there was, there was quite a bit of confusion even back in the Old Testament days. But there are a lot of preachers today that are preaching what we call a healthy, wealthy, and wise gospel. It's, it's what we call the prosperity gospel, which basically says this, that if you're saved and you're serving God, that you are never going to want for anything. That if you're really, really saved and really, really filled with the Holy Ghost, that uh, you're going to get all your answers to prayer and that you are never going to be sick and you are never going to be afflicted 
that you are always going to, you know what, you're always going to have abundance. You're going to drive the nicer cars. You're going to have the nicer homes. Now, listen, church, I'm going to tell you something. I do believe that I do believe in the favor of God, and I do believe that God is going to bless you. But I'm going to tell you something. That prosperity gospel is just not true. It's just not true. And you say, well, preacher, how can you say that? Because one of the greatest Christians I know had a thorn in the flesh that never got taken away. And so we know it wasn't just emotionally, it wasn't just spiritually. The Bible clearly tells us it was a thorn in the flesh. And, and although Paul was one of the best Christians that I know, God never took that thorn away. Now, I want you to hold your place there at John chapter 9 because we're coming right back. But I want you to turn over with me to a couple places. I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And the reason I want you to turn there is because I, I do want you to understand something, that this, this new prosperity gospel that, that you hear taught on the television and, and uh, uh, you know, a lot, of our, a lot of the charismatics are teaching this, that if you're really where you need to be with the Lord, you are never going to be sick. You're never going to have cancer. And, uh, and if you ever have an affliction, man, you can just name it and claim it and you can just cast it out and all those kind of things. And I'm just telling you, church, that... You know what, boy, that sounds really, really good. It really does sound good. That name it and claim it sounds really, really good, but it's contrary to the word of God. The apostle Paul was a good Christian. I don't think anybody could, could debate that the apostle Paul was spirit-filled. Uh, God used him to write most of your New Testament, and yet Paul knew all too well about suffering. Look, if you will, at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23. Paul says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Paul said in verse 24, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In other words, he was, the, the, the boat sank. And Paul said, I struggled in the deep to stay alive. Verse 26, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. Those that preach the prosperity gospel typically don't use 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 for their prosperity message because Paul was living close to God and yet Paul knew about suffering. In fact, I'm not ahead to go there, but I, I wanna tell you this, this, something else. Paul knew not only about suffering, Paul knew about sickness. Paul knew about sickness. Paul was a veteran Preacher, missionary, missionaries, church planner, gospel preacher, in my opinion, prince of preachers. And yet Paul knew about sickness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10, 10. The Bible says about Paul, for his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak. Paul's bodily presence is weak. And how many remember over in Galatians chapter four and verse number 15, when Paul was talking to the church of Galatia there, he said this, he said, if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. You know, it's believed when we talked about the thorn on Sunday, we don't know what the thorn was. Bible doesn't tell us on purpose, I believe. But some scholars believe that Paul had an eye disease and that's probably a little bit of evidence right there in Galatians 4.15. It's believed that Paul was, was, was almost blind and that his, that his eyes uh, ran constantly and it was something that Paul just had to deal with. And Paul says to that church of Galatia, he said, boy, there were times when we were so close and you loved me so much and you knew that I had such a burden. He said, you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me. And evidently it was because they saw that Paul had a need in that area. Now, Let's talk about sickness a little bit tonight. Now, let's, let's deal with the negative first. You know, one of the first things that happens when sickness comes a lot of times is people want to blame God for sickness. 
And so somebody's cancer or, uh, or, or some kind of affliction, and the first thing people want to say is this, boy, I'll tell you what, God's not right. God is not fair. If God would allow that to happen, God is not right. Now listen to me. I want to tell you something, church. The truth of the matter is God is not responsible for a lot of the sickness that's prevalent in our time. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16 says. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Verse 17 says it like this. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. The truth is, church, you know what? A lot of times we're not caring for these temples like we're supposed to. Someone said it like this, cigarette smoking is responsible for more than 480,000 deaths per year, including nearly 42,000 deaths resulting from secondhand smoke. This is about one in five deaths annually or 1,300 deaths every day. On average, smokers die 10 years earlier than non-smokers. Excessive alcohol use led to approximately 88,000 deaths and 2.5 million years of potential life lost each year in the United States, shortening the lives of those who died by an average of 30 years. So don't try to come and tell me that alcohol's good. No, it's not. If it's so good, it wouldn't be killing you. More than, more than two-thirds, 68.8% of adults are considered to be overweight. And boy, I'm preaching to myself tonight. More than one-third of adults are considered to be obese. Almost three in four men are considered to be overweight or obese. A hundred, boy, this is amazing right here. 110 million people die every year as a direct result of stress. <laughs> Now, my, my point is this, not God's fault. A lot of what's happening in our present day for us to point at God and say, God, that's your fault. God says, why are you blaming me for that? God said, I gave you, uh, in many respects, I gave you a healthy body. Uh, and when you got saved, you became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's your job and my job to make sure that we care for the temple of the Holy Spirit as we should. Now, let's talk about understanding sickness in light of the Bible tonight. And I'll give you just a few thoughts real quickly tonight. Number one, sometimes sickness is allowed by God, first of all, to govern sinful behavior. Now, I want to go there first because... Uh, to be quite honest with you, that's where our mind goes a lot of times first. And so sometimes sickness is allowed by God to govern sinful behavior. Sometimes God does use sickness to judge. And a lot of times if we see somebody that's sick, sometimes it shouldn't be that way, but sometimes that's the first place our mind goes. And we think, boy, I wonder what they did. I wonder why God is judging them with cancer. I wonder why God is allowing this affliction to overtake their life. But I want us to understand some church, that is not necessarily the, the, the uh, situation at all. In fact, look back at your, where we started tonight, John chapter 9. John chapter 9, look at verse number 1. And we find here that the disciples and the Lord come upon a man that's born blind. And the disciples, that's the very first place they went. Look at it, if you will. John 9, verse 1. The Bible says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind. And so, boy, they just... As soon as they saw this guy and they realized he was blind and blind from birth, they said, Lord, whose fault is it? Did he do something bad? Did his parents do something bad? And notice what the Lord said in John chapter nine, verse number three. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now church, I just, I'm teaching that to teach this. Listen, sickness is not always an indication of sin. And so, that, that's an, by the way, that's, that's an area that's way above our pay grade. And so if you see somebody that gets sick, it's never our job to go to them and say, God's judging you. Well, you don't know that. And by the way, neither do I. 
Uh, we have no idea what God is doing in their life and just the fact that, that God made them sick. You, know, you say, well, preacher, could it be? Could be. Can God use sickness as a means of judgment? He can. Can God use sickness as a means of governing sin? He can. But what I'm saying tonight is this. He doesn't always do it that way. Uh, and, but, but, but I do want to make what I believe is a vital point. And I've got that written down in my outline. Vital point. And I've got it blown up and I've got it highlighted that where sinfulness abounds, sickness often abounds as well. I want to show you that. Would you take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Acts tonight? Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And look, if you will, at verse number 5. Acts chapter 8, verse number 5. Of course, the day of Pentecost has happened. The church is, uh, has been born. And now the church is exploding with growth. And uh, in Acts chapter 8, there's persecution against the church. And Philip goes down to a place called Samaria. And Philip is preaching Jesus, by the way, Philip's a deacon, and he goes down to Samaria, and he's preaching Christ, uh, and look what happens in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 5. The Bible says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now look at verse 7. For unclean spirits, that's demons, devils. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of, what's the next word? Many. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. Many were possessed with demons, is what the Bible's saying. And, and what's the next word? Many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Now, Again, we, we understand that in Samaria that there was a lot of sickness, there was a lot of demon possession in the city of Samaria, and you say, preacher, what's going on? Well, look at Acts chapter 8 and verse number, verse number 8. The Bible says, and there was great joy in that city. Now, the joy was there because Jesus came. The joy was there because Philip came and started preaching Jesus. That's why the joy was there. But look at verse 9 about this same city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. Now my point is this, that Samaria was a place of terrible, terrible sinfulness. And because it was a place of terrible sinfulness, it was a place of terrible sickness. It was a place of terrible sickness. Now again, that's not our place to judge. We have no idea. But sometimes God does allow sickness to govern sinfulness. My wife and I were down at Baptist Hospital yesterday. And man, just, just amazed. Just amazed. They're doing a lot of construction down at Baptist Hospital. We sort of had to, to take the long way around. and We were just walking. And uh, outside the hospital, people everywhere. I mean, it's, she, she can tell you, I'm telling you the truth. It seemed like there were wheelchairs everywhere, gurneys everywhere, people were everywhere. There was like traffic jams coming into the, into the hospital. We went into the hospital, people everywhere in the hospital and just sickness everywhere you look, every corner, every little nook and cranny, just sickness everywhere. Now, you say, preacher, what's going on? I'll tell you one of the things that's, that's going on. America is sin sick. She is sin sick. In other words, my dear friend, we have turned our back on a, a almighty God and we've said, you know what, God, if we need you, we'll call you. But until we need you, don't, we don't want you to come. And I'm telling you, where sinfulness abounds, sickness also abounds. Now, is it gonna be a guarantee that if you live for Christ, you're never gonna get sick? You know the answer to that. The answer is no. But I will promise you this. The best chance you'll ever have is concerning your health is just serving Jesus. Man, just, just stay close to the Lord and, uh, and let God bless you. Now, I want to show you something tonight. Look, if you will, at Deuteronomy 28 in your Bibles. You say, Pastor, I don't believe you ought to, I don't believe you ought to, you ought to teach that. I, I don't agree with you on that. I, when you say where sinfulness abounds, sickness abounds. I, preacher, I don't agree with you, okay? Let's see what our Bible says about that. Look at Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I want you to find verse number 58. Deuteronomy 28, verse number 58. The Bible says this, and this is God speaking. 
He says in Deuteronomy 28, 58, if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues and of long continuance, sore sicknesses and of long continuance. Boy, he says that twice. Moreover, he will bring upon thee all the diseases of Egypt, which thou wast afraid of, and they shall cleave unto thee. Also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. Now, church, listen, I'm gonna get off this point and go to the next point, but I'm just telling you, you, did, did you know that in the last few years we saw a pretty, a pretty steady decline in a lot of businesses around America, but there's one business that, can, that continues to excel? The medical business. You know why? Because more and more and more people are sick and afflicted. And here's the thing. We don't have any idea uh, why the Lord allowed that to come into their life. But I will tell you this, that a sinful nation, a sinful nation is going to be a sick nation. That's the truth. Amen. That's the truth. That's the truth right there. Listen, you studied out in some of these foreign uh, countries that we're sending missionaries to, like, like uh, uh, over in, uh, in um, oh, good night. I'm trying to think where Brother, uh, um, Brother Holmes is. Nigeria, over in Nigeria, some of these places. And you don't, don't take my word for this. You study up on it for yourself. But there are places across the seas uh, that have whole villages, whole villages are dying out with AIDS. I'm talking about entire villages where there's nothing, there's nothing but orphans. Everybody's dying. One of the reasons is because we've turned our back on God. And where sinfulness abounds, sickness abounds. And so sometimes sickness is allowed by God to govern sinful behavior. But let's go on quickly tonight. How about this? Number, number two, sometimes sickness is allowed by God to gain our attention. Let's look in our Bibles tonight. Second to Kings. Second Kings chapter 20. I'll just give you this illustration and uh, we'll go to the next point here in just a moment. Second Kings chapter 20. One of my favorite, favorite Bible characters is Hezekiah. King Hezekiah. And God needed to get the attention of this king. And I want you to look, if you will, at Second Kings chapter 20 and verse number one. The Bible says in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Now look at verses two and three. The Bible says, then he, King Hezekiah, then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, Remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Now, my point that I'm making with that right there is this. Boy, God got Hezekiah's attention. And by the way, you study that out. Before Isaiah even got out of the palace, God came to him and said, Isaiah, turn around and go back and give him another word. And the word is, I'm gonna extend your life for 15 more years. But you know one of the reasons that happened? Because... He got Hezekiah's attention. Hezekiah realized, listen, God has allowed this sickness to come. God's trying to send me a message. Boy, I'm gonna tell you what, church, we might see revival in America if when people got some type of affliction, if they, if they just at least said within themselves, maybe God's trying to get my attention. Maybe it is time I get back in church. Oh, yes. Maybe it is time I start reading my Bible. Maybe it is time I start praying again. You say, preacher, are you trying to say they're sick? No, I'm, I don't, I'm, that's not my, my ministry. That's not my place. I'm not judging. I'm just telling you that sometimes God does allow an affliction to come because God is trying to ring our bell. God is knocking on the door. God's trying to get our attention. And I'm just saying, if we would turn around and seek him and look to him, maybe just maybe God would intervene in our situation. I told, the, I told this story not too, too long ago. I heard another preacher tell him there's a young man, a preacher's kid, who uh, grew up in a ministry home and, and, 
uh, just rebelled against what his mom and dad had taught him and moved out west somewhere and got him a motorcycle and, and just started living the ways of the world. And uh, long story short, one night when he was on that motorcycle, got in a tragic car accident and uh, messed up his leg and they rushed him to the hospital, had to take his leg off. His mom and dad lived back east. They were going to have to get plane tickets and try to find a flight and get out there as fast as they could. And so, uh, they, uh, so the preacher was calling around trying to find another preacher in that area that would go by and visit this young man. And so sure enough, he found a preacher friend and he told him the story and he said, my son's in the hospital and he's been in a terrible wreck. And, and he, said, would, he said, we're trying to get out there. And he said, would you go and, and be there with him? And, and the preacher said, of course I will, I'll go. And so he made his way to the hospital and tried to minister to that young man. Went into that room and man, leg was gone, had tubes hooked up to him all over the place. And that preacher said to that young preacher's kid, he said, son, he said, I'm sorry you've lost your leg. And that boy looked, looked up to him through those tubes and tears and he said, I'm not. I'm not. And that pastor said, excuse me, he said, God got my attention. He said, I know I was in that accident. I've been running from God, been out of the will of God. Boy, this message might have more of a hook than I thought. And he said, I'm glad that I'm glad God took my leg because God got my attention. Boy, you don't listen, you can just jot it down. We won't even go there for sake of time. But numbers 21. Now we can we can debate about different things, but I'm in my opinion. Numbers 21 is one of the worst stories in the Bible because in Numbers chapter 21, God is trying to get the attention of the Hebrew people. They're murmuring, complaining. They're unthankful. God's taking care of them. He's giving them manna to eat. He's causing a cloud to shelter them from the sun. He's giving them a a fire at night. He's uh, causing their clothes not to wear out. I mean, he's just caring for them, and yet they are complaining and complaining and complaining. And in Numbers chapter 21, you know what we find? We find a story where God sends snakes. Oh, that's got to be one of the worst stories in the Bible. When I get to heaven, Brother Mike, I want to ask the Lord, Lord, can I see this? Can I, can I see when you created Adam? And I want to see that. God, I, I want to see that when you introduced Eve to Adam. I got it. Can, I, can you rewind that back? Let me see that. I want to see that. Lord, can I, can I possibly see that, that tape, you know, where Elijah prayed down fire? Can I see that? But I'm not going to ask him, show me Numbers 21. I want to see it. I'm afraid I'll have nightmares. I don't want to see it. And the Bible says those snakes, those fiery serpents came into the camp. I believe when people walked in their tent, they were there. I believe when people pulled their bed covers back, they were there. I mean, reached in the closet to get, you know, get their robe out. And all of a sudden, man, that snake would bite them. They were everywhere. Or you, I hope you sleep well tonight. Amen. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine that? That's got to be. That's got to be like the worst nightmare that you get ever. Everywhere you turn, there's snakes, and they're poisonous snakes, and they're biting people, and the people are dying. And remember what the Bible says? God came to Moses, said, "Moses, I want you to. I want you to make a brass serpent." I want you to put him on a pole and I want you to raise him up. Listen to this. And everybody that goes and looks at the serpent will be healed. You know what God was saying? I want your attention. Hey, Israel, I want your attention. You've been looking at other things and other gods for way too long. I want your attention. And sometimes God allows sickness to gain attention. I'll tell you something else real quickly. How about this? Number three. Sometimes sickness is allowed by God to not only govern sinful behavior and gain attention, but number three, sometimes sickness is allowed by God to guard the Christian. Sometimes God allows sickness on purpose to guard the Christian, to protect them from potential destruction or even self-destruction. I read the story about a a fellow that was out in his yard one day. He was working out in his yard and he had his chains on. He was just cutting limbs, you know, 
And just like we all do, not, not really paying attention, and all of a sudden the, he was cutting a limb and the chainsaw kicked back and it nicked him on his finger and it was pretty bad. You know, chainsaw never cuts clean. It's always all jagged up, you know, and, and he wrapped it up in a rag, you know, and his wife said, let me see that. And he said, no, it's all right. She said, let me see that. It'll be okay. And finally, he unwrapped it, and she's like, you're going to the hospital. He said, woman, I am not going to the hospital. She said, you're going to the hospital. And she said, you need stitches. And he, you know, he fought and fussed, and finally she got her way like they normally do. Amen? And, uh, and he went to the ER, and they took care of his finger. But while they were taking care of his finger, they found a life-threatening issue. And if that man had not gone in for that finger, that man would have lost his life. You know, sometimes that God allows sickness to come in our life as a way of guarding us, as a way of protecting us. Maybe you wanted to go somewhere be on a trip or something like that, and God, you know, God allowed you to get sick, and you're thinking, oh, man, Lord, why did you do that? And God said, you don't even know this, but I'm keeping you from something. I'm guarding you. I don't, don't hold me to this. I think it was Ralph Sexton. I'm not sure, but I, that's what I heard. I heard it was Ralph Sexton. And Dr. Sexton was flying to a meeting and, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and flew into New York City and then was going to make a connection and go somewhere else. And while he and his wife were in New York City, he got just deathly sick. They went to the hotel to try to nurse him and get him better, and, and, and Brother Sexton just got worse and worse, and, and, uh, and finally he had to call the, they had to call the airport and say, we're going to have to cancel our flight, and they had to call the pastor and say, preacher, I'm not going to make it to the meeting. I'm just so sick. I can't come, and sure enough, he missed his flight, missed the meeting, and then they found out that that flight that he was going to be on was on the fateful day of 9-11. And that plane that he was making a connection with was one of those planes that flew into one of those buildings or crashed in the field that day. You know what God was doing by way of sickness? God was guarding his man. Sometimes God uses sickness to do that. I read a neat story this week. Listen to this. A, a, a Christian grandfather received a phone call one evening his granddaughter, who, who he loved so dearly, his granddaughter was six, she's college age. In fact, she was in college. And she called her grandpa and she said, Grandpa, she said, I'm, I'm sick. And she said, I've got to be in class tomorrow. She said, I've got a, a test that I can't miss. I've got to be there. And she said, Grandpa, I know you can get a hold of God. She said, I need you to pray. And her grandfather said, Honey, I'll pray. I'll pray. And he started praying, God, please heal my granddaughter. Please heal my granddaughter. A little bit later, they called her back and he said, honey, how you doing? She said, Papa, she said, I'm worse. And so he said, well, honey, I'm going to pray. She said, Papa, I can't miss. I got to be there. I cannot miss this class. I can't miss this test. I got to be there. And he said, honey, I understand. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And late, late that night, or maybe early that morning, he reached out to his granddaughter and he said, how are you? And she said, Papa, I'm so sick. She said, I can't even, she, she said, I can't even get out of the bed. And so the grandpa, he just felt cheated. And he just thought, Lord, you know, I've been praying and you're so good to answer my prayers. And he said, I, I've been praying that you'd help my granddaughter and Lord, you know, she's got that class and she's got that exam and Lord, I don't understand why you didn't heal her. And that morning at Northern Illinois University, a shooter walked into that class, killed six of those kids. It was the same class. Yeah, I got chills too. It's the same class his granddaughter was supposed to be sitting in taking that test, and if she would have took that test that day, she'd have lost her life. You know what God was doing? He's guarding his children. And yet sometimes, and we do, don't we? Sometimes we, we sort of respond like, Lord, I don't, you're, that's not right. 
I don't understand why you do that. And God says, listen, I, I don't make any mistake. You just trust me. And so sometimes, sometimes God allows sickness to govern, govern sinful behavior. Sometimes God allows sickness to gain our attention. Sometimes God allows sickness to guard the Christian. I'm done tonight, but how about this? Sometimes God, sometimes God allows sickness to glorify Jesus. Now, if you're in John 9, I want you to turn over a page or two to John chapter 11, and you know this story well because we preached out of it Sunday. Uh, but John chapter 11, and this is just, as we close tonight, this is just a good place for us to go. John chapter 11 and verse number one. We remember the story. John 11 verse one. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Look at the next line, church. But for the what? For the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Listen, church, sometimes God allows sickness as a, as a way of glorifying his Son. How many know the name Ron Hamilton? All right, how many know the name Patch the Pirate? Yeah, more hands went up on that one. Ron Hamilton was having a little issue with his eye and he went into the eye doctor one day for a routine eye exam. The doctor got him up to the machine and looked in his eye and he said, Ron, he said, I see something in your eye I don't like. He said, there's something in your eye that's not supposed to be there and we need to test it out. And sure enough, they did that and found out that Ron Hamilton had cancer in his eye. And so the doctor said, we're gonna set up a surgery. He said, you're gonna come in said, we're going to take your eye. Well, that's tough, isn't it? Ron Hamilton said he went in for the surgery, and they took my, that cancerous eye. They took the eye out, and he said several days later as I was leaving the hospital, he said I had a patch. I was wearing a patch over that, that eye that they had operated on, and he said I was, uh, we were on our way home, and he said a little kid saw me and saw that patch, and that little kid said to Ron Hamilton, hey, are you a pirate? And Ron Hamilton said it was like the light went on. And he said, I'm not going to go home and sulk because God took my eye. I'm going to use this for the glory of God. And Ron Hamilton became known as Patch the Pirate and started children, children outreach ministries all over America and even the world. God allowed that sickness as a means of bringing glory to his son, Jesus. Now, I don't, uh, I don't have this last one on the screen because it, it doesn't go with these right here. But I do want to close with this one because this is gonna, we're going to close on a high note tonight. Number five is this. There is coming a time when sickness will no longer be allowed. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 21 and verse number four, and we're going to be done tonight. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number four, and you know this scripture very well, but I just want you to see it tonight, and what a blessing that we can read it. Revelation 21 and verse number four, the Bible says concerning heaven, that heaven that you and I are going to if we're born again, the Bible says, and God, verse four, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Can I get a big amen right there? <laughs> hey, man, hallelujah. You know what that means? No more leukemia. No more dementia. No more Alzheimer's. No more cancer. No more... Listeria, no more ICU, no more CCU, and thank God for doctors, but there won't be any need for them there. And thank God for all you nurses that are here tonight. We appreciate you, and I mean that. We appreciate your expertise, but uh, I want to tell all of our nurses, you're going to be unemployed in heaven. No cancer wards, no, no, no burn wards. 
You see, sickness won't be allowed in heaven. You can just jot this down in the margin of your Bible because you'll want to go back and look at this. Isaiah 33, 24 says it like this. And the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. <laughs> and the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. Wow. One of these days when we get to heaven, you'll never walk up to another person, how you feeling? And them say, well, my arthritis is acting up today. My bursitis is acting. All the, all the itis brothers came to visit. I've got the flu. I got COVID. I got monkey pox. Boy, thank God. There'll be none of that in heaven. When you walk up to your brothers and sisters in Christ in heaven, one of these days you're going to say, how you feeling? They're going to say, man, I'm feeling great. I feel great every day. Well, what a blessing. Sickness will no longer be allowed. I read this, uh, I, I read this neat story. I want to give it to you and we're done. You can close your Bibles. We're done tonight. I love this, though. And I, we got some history buffs here tonight. I know we do. Hey, listen to this, you history buffs. In the thick fighting of the Civil War, General Ulysses S. Grant was in hot pursuit of General Lee's troops and almost had them at his mercy. But unfortunately, General Ulysses S. Grant was half, this is what the story said, was half blinded with a sick headache. Anybody ever had one of those? If you've ever had a migraine, you'd never wish it upon your worst enemy. He stopped. He stopped at a farmhouse and wrote in his memoirs, I spend the night in bathing my feet in hot water and mustard and putting mustard plasters on my wrist and the back part of my neck, hoping to be cured by morning. When morning came, he was still sick. But suddenly an officer appeared with the message that General Lee had surrendered. And Grant wrote these words, quote, I was still suffering with the sick headache, but the instant I saw the contents of the note, I was cured. You say, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? Brother, I'm going to tell you what. The instant you open your eyes in heaven, you're cured. Cured. <laughs> no more back problems? No more four eyes club. No more sinus congestion. No more viruses. Cured. Cured. From evermore, we'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Amen. Isn't God good? Let's bow for prayer tonight. Father, we love you. And thank you for the privilege to be here tonight and to learn something from the Bible. God, thank you that you're so great that you can even use sickness. Lord, something that we see as bad, <clears throat> something that we see as negative, Lord, it's something that you're, you're so great, Lord, you can use sickness to accomplish your will. You can use sickness to call people back to you. You can use sickness to get people's attention. You can even use sickness to guard your children. Father, I think what I'm trying to say is, wow, what a God we serve. Father, when sickness comes our way, God, I, you, you, you know, I, I prayed this today. I prayed this today for my family, but also for this church family. Lord, if there are afflictions right now in our bodies, some we may not even know about, God, if there's afflictions in our bodies, I ask you to heal us. In the name of Jesus, Father, right now, I ask you for healing. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to serve you with our health. But, Father, when sickness comes our way, help us not to get indifferent. Lord, help us not to have a bad spirit. But, God, help us to realize that you've got a perfect plan. And you've got perfect peace to go with that plan. Father, I just want to say thank you. 
Thank you for teaching us something great from your word tonight. I hope it's been a help. Father, I don't know. Maybe there's somebody tonight and he's tiptoed down to this altar. Maybe there's someone here with an affliction. And they just like somebody to pray with them tonight that God would heal them. I pray that's what would happen. I'm going to ask our personal workers to come right now and just find a place here at the altar. Lord, if there are those here tonight that have an affliction and they want prayer, Father, tonight I pray that folks would come and we're going to pray for them. God, maybe there's somebody here tonight and you've allowed an affliction in their life and they, and they got a little, maybe they got a little bit upset about that affliction. Father, I don't understand. Why would you do this? Why would you let my loved one get sick? Why would you take my child? Why would you, why would you let my loved one be in ICU? Lord, tonight I pray that those would just find their way here to the altar and say something like this, Lord, I don't understand it but I'm gonna trust you. So Jesus, I pray you'd have your way. Work in this invitation, please, and we thank you. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's just stand all over the house tonight. Church, this is a Baptist church, but this is also a Baptist church that believes that God still has the power to heal. And if you're here tonight and you have something going on in your life and you'd just like somebody to pray with you, I'm going to invite you to come right now. Just come on right now. I'm going to ask our personal workers just to make their way around the altar and just pray with these folks that are in the altar tonight. Do you need to come? you need to come? Preach, I just want somebody to pray with me tonight. We'll do that. Just come. Stay in the altar until somebody finds you tonight. Would you come? You don't have to be a personal worker. Listen, if you're not a personal worker and you want to come and pray with somebody, that's fine. You don't have to be a personal worker. You can come pray with somebody tonight. Church, I don't know everything, but I know this. God's still in the healing business. God can still heal. Would you come tonight? There could be somebody here this evening. There could be somebody here this evening that doesn't know for sure you're going to heaven. If you're here tonight and you don't know that you know that you know that you're saved, listen, I want you to come right now. I want you to come. And we want to talk to you about the gospel. Will you come tonight while we wait? If you're watching by way of live stream and we can pray with you tonight about your soul, or about anything else, I want you to call that number on your screen right now, 704-327-5662. We want to pray with you tonight. And if you're in the altar, stay in the altar until somebody, somebody gets to you tonight.